0: Welcome to Marketing Growth Conversations, a show about purposeful growth for the marketing community. We're connecting with marketing leaders to explore how they've found success in delivering growth for their businesses, teams, and careers. I'm your host, Michael Fasciano, an integrated marketing and global content leader. Like many of you, I've seen that growth for marketers is rarely a straight path, and yet with courage, strategic thinking, creativity, and grit, it's the game-changer for many businesses and an incredibly rewarding career. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Growth Conversations. Today we're joined by Zach Rosga, a serial entrepreneur and marketing vet who recently launched Thies, a leading experience and streaming platform for Gen Z and the gaming community. I recently met Zach on the Serial Marketing Community and was fascinated to hear about Zach's entrepreneurial growth journey. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate it. So Zach, you're building out Thies with a vision to improve Gen Z experiences and engagement doing it in an authentic way. So what's been the core focus for you and the teams?
1: The core focus is really going where the audience is we all went through a moment where I don't like to call it the COVID moment. I like to call it the work from home moment where audience behavior changed. And it was something that accelerated change. I don't think it was the catalyst for change. And and in terms of where we spend our time and where we consume media. And I had the unfortunate or fortunate opportunity to be locked in a house with two under 15s. And I was able to first hand observed their media diet came to realize is next to 100% fell into three categories which was playing video games watching people play video games and then streaming on disney plus <laughs> uh, I, I have two girls so the disney plus is maybe not what other kids are streaming they might be on netflix but by and large that was that was what their entire media diet consisted of And so talking around to friends, colleagues, et cetera, while we had nothing else to do, came to realize like that's not just my household, that's every household. Right. And so as good marketers, you need to focus on audience first. We saw an opportunity and I had the fortune to be involved in a virtual summit put on by Esports Insider, where they asked me to run a panel for them on monetization. And frankly, before that, I had nothing in common or like any knowledge base around esports, live streaming, gaming streaming, any of that. So for me, it was an opportunity to really dive in and had the opportunity to interview several people preparing for my panel because I didn't want to speak about something I knew nothing about. And I really came to realize that, oh my God, we might be sitting on the world's greatest amount of unsold inventory in the history of media, Yeah, let alone digital media. And so through that and through some arm twisting with my partners, because the business was running pre-COVID, we were doing different things and came to an agreement amongst the founders that hey, let's go after this. And so we made a bet in 2020 and it's starting to pay off now here in 23.
0: That's incredible to hear. And yeah, it's really interesting digging into how to best serve the Gen Z audience. Even 15 years ago, people were starting to talk about Gen Z and almost thinking to myself, wow, that's way off when we're going to be innovating all of what we deliver to the market for Gen Z. And here we are today, and I imagine as you've wrapped your mind around the space of gaming and Gen Z, you're probably just seeing all of the innovations taking off left and right.
1: Yeah, the reality is that they've aged into the sweet spot where brands want to attract them. You're absolutely right. Like, oh, Gen Z is coming way down the road. Well, guess what? Gen Z is now over 18.
0: Right. right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) They're now out of their parents' house. Some of them have graduated college and are having their own discretionary spend, And we have to pay attention to them now. But the things that worked for previous generations and even previous technology innovations, we actually overblew them. Yeah. And it's turned off this consumer. And I don't even want to call them digital native. They're mobile native. Yeah. They grew up on a phone, not even on like a laptop. So they're like tablet and phone based. And so... The whole notion of interruptive advertising is one of the biggest turnoffs to that audience. That's been a real driving factor in the work that we do is how can you actually delight this audience? Because force feeding behaviorally targeted ads to them is actually, I would argue, a net negative towards a brand.
0: You're spot on to say, we've got to be tailoring to their needs, to their preferences, to treating them now as a a new rising generation of adults who are going to shape markets for the decades to come. So um, Zach, you clearly have a growth point of view. You learned the whole video game industry. You dove into Gen Z, but let's get to some of your growth anchors. So complete this statement. I originally became a marketer because blank. So I originally became a marketer because I love experience, whether that's
1: IRL experience or digital experience. We as sophisticated human beings have become more and more attuned to what we like and what we don't like. And so in order for me to win your money, which then wins your wallet, I have to give you an experience that is pleasurable. And that is is meeting your expectations, but also not doing things that necessarily are going to turn you off. And so I tend to think of myself as a consumer first, and a marketer second. Yeah. And about how do we build experiences, marketers that I would enjoy, and yeah. that I want to receive. And I also look at my children. That's an important factor. Is like it's not just me and my desires, but it's then the next generation. And so uh, that's what anchors me as a marketer. And, and that's what's pushed me into marketing. Cause I, I honestly would say that there's been some bad practices that have evolved in the past decade, not because we should do things cause it's going to enhance and delight an experience, but because we can do things. And I'd like to combat that behavior.
0: Love that notion of creating authentic experiences and holding the same standards you'd have for what it is you offer audiences. So next quick question, how do you define great marketing leadership today?
1: I define great marketing leadership as people who are putting audience first and really thinking about putting yourself in the shoes of the consumer. And is this something that I would want to receive? Is this a message that I would like? I mean, one of my least favorite things that I have as a professional right now is the bombardment of spam I get in LinkedIn. And a lot of that is, hey, let's go do automated lead gen with AI on LinkedIn. And I can tell you right now, you will never win my business. Right. Because I can't stand it as a consumer. I can't stand logging into my LinkedIn account and having 25 unsolicited messages telling me how I can improve my lead gen and get win more clients Because if that's their tactic, not a chance am I going to accept it.
0: Yeah. I mean, building on authentic experience, also authentic relationships, right? If you go all in on just automate, 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 you got to be really careful that you don't lose relationship in all of that. So in a word or sentence, Zach, modern marketing is a driver of growth by doing what?
1: I think it's by enhancing and delighting and actually creating that relationship. It's about engagement, time spent, not gross number of impressions.
0: So as we think about some growth breakthroughs, tell us about a signature growth moment that you often come back to as a leader. How did it help you build a business, build teams, and how does it still shape you as a marketing leader today?
1: Yeah. The biggest growth moment in the short life of Thies was getting a major Fortune 500 brand, Fortune 5 brand, to say, hey, what you guys are doing is something that we need to pay attention to. And not only are we going to you know, give you a run at testing it, they actually increased the budget from what we proposed. And honestly, that was like the first time I've received an RFP in the history of the business that I've been in, where they're like, hey, what, actually don't shave money on it. Can you add money to it? Nice, And and so that was a real vote of confidence that, no, you guys are onto something. It might not be perfect right now, but we're going to give you guys a run at it. And we actually want you to do more than what you propose to do.
0: To have a major brand like that saying, we see what you're doing and we want to invest in being the first brand to really bring it to life in a powerful way. Brands that make things that are first of their kind possible, are always going to get so much more brand halo around that. All the audience, the consumers, anyone who's experiencing that first of its kind experience that a brand made possible just because they think it's great for the audience, they're gonna create a lasting impression on that audience.
1: I put myself in the shoes of the brand and I put myself in the shoes of the agency and it's hard to say yes to new things. And even if it's something that's not like a major reach, it's still hard to say yes. And then to say yes plus, there's a real boost. It was a real shot in the arm. We'll always remember that.
0: In terms of outcomes that were growth related, can we say that the brand in this partnership feels like there's real growth value coming out of this partnership?
1: So part of the the project, we ran a YouGov study with it. And so the hard part about this brand for us was it was an endemic brand to gaming. And so you're putting an endemic brand in front of gamers. And so brand lift is difficult, right? Because there's a good chance that 99% of the audience knows about said brand. Yet we still were able to achieve a 10% brand lift. To get a 10% brand lift was, was really exciting. And then the additional thing that we found out was this is where we realized really our audience was anchored in Gen Z. Yeah. We had a notion that it was an 18 to 34 year old audience. And what we came to find out is actually 75% of it was under the age of 29. Okay. And so the only reason we were able to do that is because the brand trusted us enough to give us a big enough buy that warranted doing a YouGov study, because that requires a, a large sample size to right. be able to actually get data that makes sense we were able to run the project over a quarter so it wasn't just a two week pop and run but it was actually like a sustained campaign and then the final thing that we learned is one of their core objectives as a part of this campaign was to reach diverse audiences so not just in terms of age demographic but actually composition of audience and that was another aha for us is that we had a much higher diverse audience than what we originally intended part of that was intentional we had a part of our campaign, which was to target diverse streamers and also target female streamers. And it worked. We ended up reaching a more diverse audience than what we had originally intended. That was another positive outcome is not only did we get the Gen Zs that we were targeting, but we also got a diverse segment of the population. And if you're a good brand and you're a brand that's looking for growth opportunities, it's not continuing to hammer on your ideal customer or your current customer base is actually identifying new customer bases. Yeah. And that's something that we're uniquely suited to do.
0: What I take away from that is you had this partnership with a brand, they brought in the the rigor of brand research and you hit your reach numbers, but the real growth moment was wow, the quality of our audience from the diversity from all these new modern behaviors is so much more than we really even appreciated. Great. So tell us about a pivot or optimization you had to implement while leading. And what were you up to? What changed? How did you get it to a growth outcome?
1: Well, so as I said earlier, this was in business before COVID. And the biggest pivot for us, we were focused on IRL events and we were focused on how do you create data, and engagement with younger audiences IRL. Uh, it's one thing to have your brand show up at a concert or at a movie theater. It's another thing for that person to play with you. And so we actually have another part of our platform, which is a proprietary technology that's a mobile engagement or a mobile insights app. And so pre, pre-COVID, we were working heavily in the event space. And we were, <laughs> we were using QRs before they became ubiquitous to trigger actions in real life and then move somebody from an in real life activation to a digital experience. And as events literally collapsed overnight, we had a big project with March Madness that March Madness didn't happen. So that's actually what took us into eSports because eSports was this space where there were still events happening, but they were purely virtual. Sure, Competitions that were occurring purely virtual. So it wasn't actually a very big leap for us to move from that. And then we came to realize that it's a broadcast medium and yet it doesn't have broadcast rights. And so that's when we salivated and said, that's the growth moment. Like That's where we can take what we have with this second screen activation and apply it towards a broadcast medium. I mean, now you see it throughout sports. I'm a huge sports fan. As you can see, I'm wearing a Kraken hat, go Kraken. Never (laughs) expected them to make it to the second round of the playoffs. Needless to say, I watch a lot of hockey and I also watch a lot of NBA basketball because I'm also a Nuggets fan. Go Nuggets. And every ad break now has a QR code associated with it. Yep. And so because you can, and this is also part of looking at how the audience behaves, we all watch TV with multiple devices now. Yep. I don't think some of the QR implementations in the NBA and NHL are actually that great because they flash them too quick and they don't make it a call sure. out or anything. That's my own personal opinion. But the the point is, is that you have this opportunity to take somebody with interest and turn them into action and insights. And so that's the aha moment for us. And that's what really took us from being, frankly, a non-scalable entity into a highly scalable entity. And that's an exciting pivot.
0: Yeah, I really resonate with that. I'm also a NBA fan and was rooting for the Bruins until that ended abruptly. But I admire, for instance, the the halftime shows with Chuck and Shaq and Ernie, and they always find a way to get that digital engagement happening in real time while they're broadcasting live. And why they have such a successful show is it's so candid and so unscripted. But then they're bringing the audience in in real time through those QR codes through social. And yeah, that's a, that's a trend that's here to stay. And it's only going to continue to evolve and get even more sophisticated and exciting.
1: I totally agree with that. You're absolutely right. That halftime show with TNT is probably the best example of catering to the audience. Like going back to what we started with earlier, they talk to the audience as if the audience is sitting in the room with them and they consistently have people who actually tune in for the halftime show whereas i would argue with their competitor i switch to something else almost every time like right. it's like oh, whatever it's coming on what it's not going to be anything.
0: yeah it's just really dry so i guess as we think about learnings for today and tomorrow what's the best marketing advice you were ever given
1: people have a tendency to think that marketing is linear that we're on this path that started at point 0 and it goes to infinity And they said, that's not actually true. Marketing is actually more of a pendulum. And part of that is been accelerated by programmatic and behavioral targeting. We go through these swings actually. And those swings are oftentimes predicated by overindulgence on marketers' behalf uh, and taking it to the extreme, to the point where they piss the audience off. That piece of Feedback to me was actually the initiation of what was our first business, which was the IRL business, which is people are getting turned off by all this digital bombardment everywhere they go. And the only place that they actually are paying attention is when they we grab them in real life. A lot of that is, is like ad blockers became something very prevalent because we were so sick of every single tiny piece of real estate in the content that we were consuming was taken over by some pop-up, some insertion. And then when we go into our social feeds, it's like, now you go into some of them and it's seven out of 10 are ads. And it's like, I can't even find the thing that I used to come here for enjoyment. Yep. And you know, that's the part of the pendulum is like, I just got to keep packing, 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 packing to a point where it's polluted and then you got to swing back. And, And we can all agree by looking at what's happening in social is that we're at that swing back moment.
0: Yeah, I agree. In numerous feeds, I won't call out different platforms, but in numerous feeds, I've started to say, I see more ad content that's not relevant to me than actual connections posting. (laughs) (laughs) At a certain point, you're like, this is just not valuable to me anymore. So I completely agree with you. I've always thought about that pendulum analogy, but more... Through the lens of agencies and what types of agencies clients are looking for and how they're developing their own teams, you're so spot on to also anchor that notion of a pendulum in relationships that marketing and advertising and media have with consumers. Because that's ultimately what is going to shape all of this. It's not someone's investment plan. It's the trends around what audiences actually care about.
1: Another place you can look in that is DTC. There was this huge rise five, seven, ten years ago of the DTC model. Well, the DTC model was was basically only available when you had extremely low arbitrage when it came to available impressions. Right. But as everybody adopted that same model, you essentially collapsed the available impressions to be able to have that direct to consumer relationship that didn't require an intermediary retailer and then all of a sudden you got to a point where that arbitrage didn't exist anymore and that conversion went from lower than a dollar to north of 50 bucks and so if you're selling like a $12 product you can't afford to s- buy audience at 50 bucks
0: right and yeah. so
1: Like that's the other part of this pendulum swings, not just looking at platforms, but thinking about marketing strategies as a whole. And this is what I said earlier about the copycat mentality is that there's like, once something is works, everybody knows it works and everybody piles on. Right. Now at Thies, we hope that's the case with us. But as we were looking at that pendulum, we also hopefully can find ways to moderate it a little bit so that it continues to be the experience that the consumers
0: want. Yep. That all makes sense. So um, Zach, just to round everything out, how would you distill your growth experiences and learnings as perhaps a piece or two of advice to our listeners?
1: If you're a marketer or you're responsible for media budgets, you need to think about two things. One is what's the audience want? What's the audience like? And then you need to think about if you're in a growth moment, how do I attract new audiences? I know that it's tempting to continue to double, triple, quadruple down on your core audience and your core consumer, but I do believe that every solid brand leader wants to attract new audience, wants to attract new consumers. Right. And then when you do go after these new consumers, you have to recognize we live in this world of tribes now. Even though we've gone through globalization where it's all one world, we've actually now turned into niches are no longer niches because if you like the Kraken and you live in Seattle, you can easily communicate with somebody who likes the Kraken who's in Prague, right? And so, and you take that down to even like the, the smaller detail. It's really easy to attract niches. So the notion of influencer is not going to go away it is important. And so then when you're a brand and you're looking to get into that community, you need an entry point into that community that is an authentic voice in that community. So that my summary takeaway is, it doesn't mean that you have to abandon some of the things that you're doing, but you should hive off a percentage of your budget towards these types of opportunities. And then you do have to manage it properly. And you do have to look after the KPIs and your ROAS. But don't be scared. Like, I guess that's another part of it too. It's is sometimes you just got to dive in.
0: I really agree also that the power of experience when it's done right is that there's serendipity in all the unexpected connections you can make. And if you have a really diverse audience, you're going to get even more serendipity around that. And for a brand to be making inroads into real authentic relationships with audiences and people that they normally haven't been known to be connected to. That's definitely lasting growth value right there.
1: As a final point, we did do a smaller test with a well-known CPG company in the better for you space, and we used our insights platform. And one of the questions we asked is how familiar are you with the brand? 70% of the audience said they'd never heard of it before, yet they took the time to answer five questions about the said brand. Wow. And so to me, that's another one of those aha moments where you can create discovery and you can do it well within a new audience if it is curated.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. And knowing for instance, also that if you're creating an experience that really is valuable, the attendees of that experience will be so much more open to giving you feedback, which of course can fuel so many things, even beyond a brand study, like brand research, understanding where do we wanna go next? What do we wanna build on? How do we take this momentum moving forward? Well, Zach, thank you so much for spending time with us today. This was a great conversation. I really admire your growth journey, not only as an entrepreneur, But as someone who saw in the moment that all these new behaviors were happening in COVID and going into spaces that you were unfamiliar with and saying, I'm gonna become an expert in that. Not only am I gonna be an expert in it, I'm gonna build a company around it. And it sounds like there's real momentum that's building around these, so that's fantastic. And when we put this episode out, we'll make sure to also link to the website so people can learn more about these.
1: Yeah, great. And people can follow us on LinkedIn. We are a B2B company. So we spend a lot of our time in there. And I appreciate being on the episode and yeah, look forward to continuing the journey.
0: Wonderful. Well, best of luck to you. And we look forward to following up in the community.